Welcome to Third and Short here on KCOU 88.1 FM Columbia. Third and Short is your one-stop shop for NFL news and fantasy football analysis. My name is Luke Sweezy, and I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Jack Shimanek. How are you today, my friend? I'm doing well. I can almost taste the end of the semester. I'm really, really excited to be done, but I'm also really excited about the show that we have for our listeners today. Looking forward to a great uh, NFL Sunday this coming weekend. I won't really have anything to do, so I'll just be able to watch football and not have anything to worry about. And that'll be great because it's the first time I've done that in a long time. See, you're, you're a week behind me because I'm pretty much wrapped up with all my classes right now. So this yeah. Sunday I just sprawled out and watched just about every second of any game that I could, which Love felt it. really nice. And it's good to be coming to the end of the semester. It's been a long semester. Oh, yeah, it but has. here we are. And we've got some good games to talk about from last week and some good ones to look forward to. But what are we going to be talking about on the show today? So this week on the show, we're going to start by looking back and giving out some awards for Week 13. Then we'll take a look at the Week 14 game slate and check in on the playoff picture before we close things out with some fantasy football discussion. And before we get into all of today's topics, um, we are going to go over some of the important headlines from around the league. All right, starting off here, during the bye week, the Carolina Panthers fired their offensive coordinator, Joe Brady. Uh, this is a bit of a turn of events because uh, this time last year, Joe Brady was being hailed as one of the league's great offensive minds for the future, and he was even interviewed for five head coaching jobs last cycle. Now he's out in his second year as offensive coordinator under head coach Matt Rule. Rule said he wanted to run the ball more and the offense wasn't putting up enough points. Jeff Nixon will take over as the OC for now. And as for Joe Brady, he'll probably be headed back to college football, but we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens in the future. Certainly not a headline you would have predicted I know. a few months ago because he was such a hot name in the coaching cycle and just one of those young guys that everybody's taking a look at and well, the Panthers' offense hasn't really been up to snuff so far. Yeah, I mean, it, it's a bit of, you know, inconsistent quarterback play throughout the entire season that, that has held them back. So I don't really know if it's all on the shoulders of Joe Brady, but sometimes you have to make a change. So he might have to be the one that ends up being the scapegoat for... Somebody's got to fall on the sword. ...a bad team in Carolina right yeah. now. And then up next, we had some reports come out this week from Adam Schefter saying that Ben Roethlisberger has been privately telling former teammates and some people within the Steelers organization that this will be his last year as the starting quarterback for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Now, the particular phrasing of that report is interesting to me because that doesn't guarantee that he's going to retire, but sources say that it's unlikely that we will see him suiting up for another team. Big Ben will be 40 years old before next season, and his quarterback draft classmates of Eli Manning and Phillip Rivers have already retired, been in the league for 18 years, so not terribly surprising, I don't. I would say. No, it's not. I think he would have been forced out anyway because he's just not been the same guy that we've known. Yeah. Again, messy situation coming there. For sure. All right, let's move into injuries. What do we got this week? All right, to begin, Washington tight end Logan Thomas just recently returned from injury and took a bit of a dirty hit from Yannick Ngakwe last week. It initially looked like a torn ACL, but MRIs have come back better than expected. Unfortunately, it's going to require more testing, and the team will be placing him on IR, and this will be his second stint of the season, um, so... It's probably the last we'll see of Logan Thomas this year. Yep, tough luck for Logan Thomas. Been kind of a bad season, unfortunately, due to yep. the injury bug. Up next, Vikings wide receiver Adam Thielen suffered a high ankle sprain this week, and he has 
um, not been placed on the injured reserve, so he probably will return sooner than later, but he's not expected to suit up this week. Mm-hmm. And you never know with a bad team this late in the season if they're going to try to push things I know. with a player like Thielen. So he's likely to return this season, but I wouldn't rule anything out. Yeah, I, I totally agree. All right, moving on here. Eagles quarterback Jalen Hurts is still recovering from his ankle, but the Eagles are on bye this week, and he should be cleared to return next week. Head coach Nick Sirianni reiterated after this week's win over the Jets that despite the absolutely electric performance from America's quarterback Gardner Minshew, that Jalen Hurts will remain the team's starter. I think this is great. This is a great um, great thing that Sirianni came out and said, I think Jalen Hurts is the, is the guy that you should be planning on for the future. That's definitely the right way to go, but I never want Gardner Minshew to leave this league. No, he's got to I want him to start like two games a year for the next 10 years. He he could be like the new Fitzy. The best video of this week was uh, Gardner Minshew and his dad in the parking lot after the game, just like pretty much tackling each other as they hug, just going back and forth, just two meatheads going crazy. Yeah. That was awesome to see, and Gardner Minshew is so fun and a great... At this point, required cameo for any NFL season. When we hit a lull late in the year, we need Gardner to bring us back because, like you said, that's America's quarterback, baby. For sure. Up next, Bengals quarterback Joe Burrow. He injured his finger this week against the Chargers, and according to Ian Rappaport, Burrow does plan to play this week unless the injury somehow gets worse. He got hurt early in the game and played through it, so he should be good to go, but... like. He was noticeably uncomfortable with the situation. It was kind of fiddling around with different possible solutions and wraps on the sidelines and looked noticeably frustrated. Yeah, he looked, to be, he looked to be in a good deal of pain. Um, there were some videos on Twitter I saw of him like literally wincing after he threw a ball, and I thought he was done, and I thought the Bengals were in trouble. But it sounds like he's playing through it, and, and we'll see how well he can play in their matchup against the 49ers. Mm-hmm. All right. Quarterback Daniel Jones is unlikely to play once again this Sunday against the Chargers. He's still dealing with that neck injury that kept him out last week. His backup, Mike Glennon, is currently in concussion protocol. So that means Jake Fromm is now in line to start for the Giants. Fromm is a former star quarterback from Georgia, and he was recently signed off the Bills practice squad and could now be seeing his first career NFL start. Things are, once again, not looking up for the New York football Giants. They can't stay healthy, man. It's been it's been a tough year, and bad quarterback play and injuries to your quarterbacks just stacking on one another, not looking great there. Up next, Chargers defensive end Joey Bosa looks like he may have suffered a concussion this week. He was cleared to return to action, but head coach Brandon Staley made the executive decision to keep Bosa on the sidelines given his concussion history, which is extensive. And Bosa is considered day-to-day right now, but he's expected to return to practice today. And I think this is a good thing to see from Brandon Staley to have the foresight to be considering someone's concussion history. I think this is a good development, and I like that this may be where the league is headed, where we are more cautious about excessive history of head injuries. Yeah, he's a younger he's a younger coach in the league, and I think he has a, a good head on his shoulders, and this will probably be something we see a lot more from, from head coaches down the road. Mm-hmm. All right, moving on here. Raiders running back Kenyon Drake broke his ankle this week in their in the Raiders matchup against Washington football team, and he will end up missing the remainder of the season. 
And he was pretty upset on Twitter. I don't know if you saw this, no. but he went and posted a video of the tackle and the way that he was kind of tackled from the back with all the pressure being put on his leg. Two years in a row, he got hurt from a similar tackle. Wow. So he was calling for the league to put some new regulations in place to protect running backs because they don't net, they're don't. they pr- pretty much the most expendable piece that doesn't get any protection yeah. from referees. I mean, we might see a rule like the horse collar tackle that's something similar, Yeah. Um, but obviously we'll have to see what the NFL does about that. But it, it was a certain style of tackle that has hurt him twice now yeah. where it's kind of from the back. I would be frustrated too. Too, too. too much pressure being put on one leg, so I'll be interested to see what the response to that is. Up next, the Jets placed wide receiver Corey Davis on the injured reserve, and it was reported on Monday that he is going to be undergoing season-ending core muscle surgery. Big loss for the Jets. Um, Elijah Moore and Denzel Mims, their young receivers, are going to have to step it up. Corey Davis has been a reliable veteran presence on this team so far, but Elijah Moore's had a good year too, so this will be his chance to shine. Yeah. All right, some more sad news from from me as the Baltimore fan. John Harbaugh said on Monday that Marlon Humphrey is going to miss the remainder of the season. Um, I can't remember what the specific injury is, but uh, this now makes three starters that the Ravens have lost in their secondary this year. Marcus Peters in the preseason, Deshaun Elliott a couple weeks ago, and now Marlon Humphrey. This team just can't stay healthy. It's almost a lost season at this point, so uh, we'll move forward and and see what what the Ravens look like um, in the next coming weeks as we push towards the playoffs. Not a great spot. The injuries keep stacking up on defense for you there. Yeah, not not a good look. Bad time of the year. All right, and lastly, uh, Seahawks safety Jamal Adams suffered a shoulder injury this Sunday in their upset victory over the San Francisco 49ers, and Adams is now set to have season-ending surgery on the same shoulder that he injured last year, and he is in line to make a full recovery for next season, but unfortunate to see the same injury two years in a row. Yeah, it, he's basically the best player on the Seahawks, and uh, their defense will probably get a little bit worse because of uh, his absence. Yeah. All right, it is time for the first break of the program. When we come back, we're going to be giving out a couple Week 13 awards and recapping some of the notable games from this past week of NFL action. You're listening to Third and Short here on KCOU. Welcome back to Third and Short here on KCOU 88.1 FM Columbia. I'm your host, Luke Sweezy, joined as always by Jack Shimanek. Thank you, Luke. Now, this show is dedicated to covering everything related to the National Football League. It's time now to take a look back at what you need to know from Week 13. But of course, we also have some awards that we would like to hand out. Time for our weekly awards here. We got two for you. Yeah. This week, two fun ones and one that we have certainly been sitting on for a while and yes. are very glad to finally be giving out. But uh, up first, we had a very interesting sequence in the Seahawks and 49ers game. First, I want to give an honorable mention to the fake punt turned into 60-yard touchdown run from Travis Homer. Yeah, that was a great in play. In that game. That was certainly something that might make you say, what? Mm-hmm. But there was another play, two plays back-to-back. That certainly warrant the return of the Stone Cold Steve Austin. What award? So, Jack, walk us through what happened with old Gerald Everett 
in this game. Yeah, so Gerald Everett, like, catches this pass uh, and on the goal line and, like, sort of bobbles it. What? And then he, like, falls down and kicks it up. What? And it falls right into the hands of the 49ers defensive back for an interception. What? The thing is, since they took it out of the end zone, it wasn't a touchback, so the Niners got the ball on, like, the three-yard line. What? And then on the on the very, uh, I don't know if it was the very next play, but on that third down, Jimmy G took a snap and ended up getting sacked for a safety. Which actually ended up tying the game at 23, which is something I don't think I've ever seen ever. A safety tying the game in like the third or fourth quarter. Yeah, because mathematically that doesn't always make sense. No, it doesn't. You have to miss some extra point here or there, but... Yes, a very strange sequence, and let's be honest, a strange game at large, yeah. 49ers and Seahawks. Now, at long last, it's time, ladies and gentlemen, for the Dan Campbell Moment of the Week. Now, Dan Campbell is the first-year head coach of the Detroit Lions, and it's just an absolute explosion yes. of charisma and personality He's the poster boy for being a player's coach. And you know what happened this week? The unthinkable. The unthinkable happened. The Detroit Lions won their first football game this year, and they did it in glorious fashion, getting the win 29-27 to over the, over the Minnesota Vikings walk-off touchdown. Final snap of the game, Jared Goff was able to lead the Lions on a last-minute 75-yard touchdown drive, ended with a nice throw to Amon Ross St. Brown for the walk-off touchdown to get their first win of the season. Love it. I mean, the Lions, they're so easy to root for, and uh, it was awesome to see them get their first win. Watching the post-game videos from like the sidelines in the locker room, you can tell that this was just a giant weight that Dan Campbell and the players got off of their chest. Uh, really happy for Detroit, but man, things don't look great for Minnesota. No. Once again, we see a Minnesota team dropping a close game where they really have no business dropping. Yeah. And at what point does the fault of that fall on the shoulders of head coach Mike Zimmer, who I feel like has been on the hot seat for the last couple of years? And keep in mind that Zimmer is a defensive-minded head coach. Yeah. And their defense is the problem with this team, but the offense is cooking. Right. So I don't see any reason why he will be there next year. I I, I mean, yeah, you mentioned it. He's been on the hot seat, and you know, I, I bet they let him finish out the season, but I don't see how you can bring him back. Yeah, and once again, the Vikings are like a fringe wildcard team sitting at— uh, they just fell to five and seven yeah. on the year, but they're only a game or two back. Right. So at this point in the season, you can't be losing games to bad teams like the Lions when you're that close to being a playoff team. Yeah. The good thing is they they face the Bears two more times. Um, but other than that, they have a pretty tough schedule. So they'll be lucky to end up as a seven win team. And I just really don't think that there's no way seven and 10 is a good enough record to make the playoffs. No. And I think it's certainly time for some changes there. Yep. Up in Minnesota. For sure. All right, our next game here we want to talk about. We've got the Washington football team at Las Vegas Raiders. Washington walks away with another win. They just keep stacking them. I know. 17 to 15. They keep winning, and you got to just ask yourself, how do they do it? And you know what? 
It's Taylor Heineke, baby. <laughs> Taylor Heineke is another player that I have grown to have a strong liking of this season. He certainly captured my heart in a really inspired performance against the Buccaneers in the playoffs last season. But the dude's operating on a pretty small contract that is heavily tied up in incentives, and he gets more bonus money every time that he wins a game. Yeah. And they just keep winning. I know. It's awesome to see. Yeah, he, he Heineke, Heineke's a guy who's going to make some mistakes, but he's also just a guy that is has a little bit of swagger to him, is able to to you know get out of some sticky situation and just make some plays. I mean, he led a two-minute drill to set up the game-winning 48-yard field goal, and that was his fourth game-winning drive of the year. Which, there's two ways to look at that. One, it's great to see that when it's all on the line, he's able to go out and win. Yeah. But also... Maybe he's putting them into situations where it's closer late than exactly. it needs to be. Exactly. But he finds himself on the right side of this more often than not so far this year. Yeah, he's the way that I would compare him. He's he's kind of playing like Tim Tebow was at the height of his power. I mean, Heineke's a better quarterback than Tim Tebow was, but yeah, let's let's, let's he, give him some credit. No, here. no, no. I'm I'm, <laughs> I'm just saying the magic surrounding the name is like he's able to to, to win these close games and keep his team alive in the oh, playoff yeah. picture, but. But, like, there's probably other reasons why these games are close. Yes. And it's a little bit of his fault. But I still love him. But taking a step back here and looking at the big picture, I think he's earned another year as the starting quarterback in Washington. I think so, too. He was signed to a two-year extension last offseason. So he's got one more year after this. And I bet he gets a raise and maybe another extension. He's only 28 years old and could be the answer for a few years there in Washington. Mm -hmm. And as a whole, this offense surely has to be glad that they have their primary running back, Antonio Gibson, back and healthy, who has been a game changer both on the ground and in the receiving game. Yeah, Antonio Gibson looks good. Um, on the on the flip side, the Raiders, I, I think it's safe to say that the late season collapse is ramping up once again. Where have we seen this before? Even without John Gruden, it's still happen happening again. So I'm not really terribly surprised after all the off-the-field issues that the team had to deal with, but... The Raiders have lost four of their last five. Derek Carr has been not bad, but not great. Um, I don't think he's the problem, but I don't see this team making a playoff push, and they're really not in a position to right now. Derek Carr's fine. He's fine. But it's not doing a lot to inspire confidence that he's going to be the person that leads them into the playoffs or even a Super Bowl someday. It, yeah, I agree. This team just kind of feels stuck around a... I guess I can't even say they're around a 500 record because 500 records don't exist anymore. Yeah, sadly. Which is annoying. When, when we get to the end of the season and have nine and eight and eight and nine teams, I'm going to be very annoyed <laughs> I know. looking at this. Because I don't even want to deal with that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shed a tear for Jeff Fisher. Yep. Because we need to have a 500 season here and there. But Raiders are a middling team as they have been in recent years. And the Washington football team keeps finding ways to win, and they currently have themselves in position for a wild card spot. All right, up next, let's go and take a look at Thursday Night Football, where we had Cowboys at Saints. Cowboys walk away with the win 27-17. to Again, this Saints team is, there's not a lot going on right now. It's banged up. Yeah. They're still banged up. We... We're interested to see what would happen in this game because this was Taysom Hill's first game as the starting quarterback mm -hmm. this season. And he ran for over 100 yards, which is something you would kind of expect from him. He also threw four interceptions on top of that. So Not good. as a passer, he has issues, doesn't have the best deep ball 
not the best arm strength. A lot of stuff tends to hang up there for defensive backs to go up and get. He's a really streaky player, but despite his inconsistency and woes here and there, he is still a fantasy football wizard. He is. Because in a game where you throw four interceptions, you're look you're thinking single digits, possibly negative yeah. points. The dude still put up like a startable 20-point performance. And that was like probably top seven, maybe top five Yeah, last week. So that's always funny to me. Yeah, and then as for Dallas, they still look like a good playoff team. I think they're a legitimate threat in the NFC. Uh, they're getting healthy. They're fixing things. They have two great running backs. Their defenses looked good. They can win in multiple ways. So I- I'm kind of excited to see what the Cowboys are going to do in the playoffs. Yeah, and let's give the Cowboys some credit here because their coaching staff was pretty much wiped on the COVID list. Like Dan Quinn and like nobody else. Yeah. He was doing everything. So Dan Quinn stepped up, came down from the booth, coached the boys to a win here. Yeah. So Cowboys looking good. I mean, their receiving core is insane right now. Really good. They're all cooking. four studs. Yeah. So I think they're getting healthy at the right time, playing well at the right time, and are going to be a dangerous team as we head into the playoffs. For sure. Up next, we've got Chargers at Bengals. Chargers win 41-22. to And this was a weird game to where I don't think the final score really captures the ups and downs I know. of this game because there were two massive runs of unanswered points. The game starts off with the Chargers putting up 24 with the Bengals scoring none. Zero. So yeah. we get 24-0, and then the Bengals go and score 22 unanswered. So... In like the mid third quarter, it was it, there was only a two point gap. It was a ball game. Yeah, and then when you look at it now, the Chargers just ran away with it in the end, forty one to twenty two. But this was a weird game with a lot of big plays and turnovers, and it was just kind of sloppy. Yeah, it's weird. Both of these teams are very similar. They're they're very streaky. They're able to hit on big plays, but they also are very prone to mistakes and miscues. And I think the Chargers were able to hit more of those big plays and capitalize on the Bengal turnovers. Um, You know, Jamar Chase had a bad drop. Burrow fumbled, had a pick. Mixon fumbled. It was just kind of a sloppy game for the Bengals. And one of those fumbles was returned 61 yards for a touchdown. And that's when the Chargers put the game away. And that always helps. Um, I think part of the issue was Burrow was, was uncomfortable for a good part of the game. Uh, was struggling on the sidelines, and I think that impacted his play a bit. Hopefully he can get healthy as the Bengals look to solidify possibly a wildcard spot and maybe even contend for the AFC North uh, title that seems kind of wide open right now. A lot of teams one or two games apart in the AFC. And as, as for Burrow in this finger injury, I don't know what exactly to expect because we had Stafford with a finger injury and Russell Wilson with a finger injury that I think both of them were impacted a bit longer mm-hmm. than people expected. So I'm curious to see how Burrow's going to respond this week because as we'll talk about in the next segment, they've got an important game this week. Yeah. All right. Up next, we got a heartbreaker for you. <laughs> Ravens at Steelers. Steelers uh, just barely squeak out the win. 20 to 19. The floor is yours. I really hate that I was right about this game, but I picked the Steelers last week. I just had a feeling. Yeah. Um, it was a good defensive game from Baltimore, but they only mustered 19 points, and they failed to win the game on a gutsy two-point conversion. Dear John Harbaugh, please just kick the extra point next time. Take the game in overtime. We had we had some mojo going. We were playing well. Um, 
I thought we could have won in overtime, but but nonetheless, um, that, that's the Ravens side of things. It, it was a, it was a winnable game. It was one that stinks, but it's not like the biggest deal since we still have a decent record. I just worry about uh, our success moving forward. And then the Steelers, they seem to be a capable team with some really high-end talent on both sides of the ball. Mm-hmm. Like Even with Big Ben not playing well, Deontay Johnson has been incredible this year. He fixed his drop problems, and I think he deserves a lot of credit for the success of this team. Claypool's been consistent. Pat Fryermuth has been amazing. Najee Harris, too. So, you know, the Steelers have enough talent and good enough coaching to make the playoffs, but Big Ben is just still holding them back. And If you're a Steelers fan, don't you kind of wish that they're a little worse than they are right now. Yeah, I mean, Kenny Pickett's being projected as like the guy the Steelers want, but he's going so early in mock drafts. Yeah. That I don't think that they'll be able to get him if they keep playing well. And I don't think there's a universe where Big Ben's successor is currently on this roster. No, there's no so, way. But this is an ideal situation for any quarterback to walk into, and that's why they're able to stay afloat even with yep. the inconsistent play of Big Ben is because they have so much talent on offense right now. Mm-hmm. And the defense is playing well enough, and then, I guess, going back to the Ravens here, gutsy call from Harbaugh. I know. Going for two there. It was. I don't I don't love it. I Like, I get it. We we, we were in a divisional game, and, and you score that, and you win, but, like, Mark Andrews was open, and Lamar's got to make that throw, and he probably would have scored, so it just it hurts even more to know that the, the, play, the play call was perfect. Mm-hmm. We just couldn't execute, and, and that was really disappointing. How are you feeling about the Ravens' offense heading forward? Because we've had what feels like a three-week lull. Yeah, I know. So we play— Starting it with that Dolphins loss? Yeah, I know we have to play the Bengals again, we play the Steelers again, and we play the Browns again. Yeah, and a lot of division games left, and those seem to always be coin tosses. Yeah, our run game is just not the same. We have no one in our backfield that is like explosive that can run away from guys like J.K. Dobbins was last year. And Lamar is just not a good enough passer right now to carry the offense, so I'm I'm legitimately worried about what we're going to do moving forward. Thankfully, you had a good enough start to the season to where you're at, what, eight wins right now? Yeah, we'll probably get into the playoffs, and then they'll disappoint me again, but... I'm trying to remain optimistic. Let's stay optimistic. Yes. And then now, let's take a look at Sunday Night Football. You should be excited. I should be excited here. Broncos at Chiefs. Chiefs get a big win, 22-9. to And I guess the lesson on optimism is that I should have had more of it when the Chiefs kind of came out like a dud to start the season because mm-hmm. the team has pulled it together, and they've pulled it together in a way I wasn't expecting because— defense. The offense ain't winning us games right now. No, it's the defense. It's this defense. It's these young pieces in our secondary getting coached up by our Walter Payton Man of the Year nominee, Tyron Matthew. Yes, sir. An amazing person for the community and an amazing presence on the field. This team is not allowing points. No. They're shutting it down. It helps that they've played some middling offenses, but still, nine points against any NFL team is impressive. They're, They're... Holding it down, and the addition of Melvin Ingram continues to look really nice. Yeah, just a solid piece. And our defensive line is playing the way that we thought they would have mm-hmm. heading into this season, and we're, we're generating a legitimate pass rush, which has been our issue in years past. Cause we, that was a big issue late last year, Yeah, is we could not touch a quarterback. Mm-hmm. It was terrible. But defense looks great. Offense, eh. Yeah, I mean, I'll I'll talk about this a little bit and you can chime in, but I've been saying it for a, a while now. The Chiefs receiving core is a bit of a problem because outside of Kelsey and Hill, 
There is like no other reliable targets. Cole Hardman has not been able to step up. Demarcus Robinson has not been able to step up, and they haven't really gotten anything out of Josh Gordon so far. I think the loss of Sammy Watkins was pretty underrated. I know he wasn't healthy for a lot of last season, but he was a capable wide receiver too that could go up and make some contested catches. They don't really have a receiver over the middle who who they trust to run crisp routes and make those contested catches for Mahomes. And I think with the two high safeties that they've been, the two high safety looks that they've been seeing all season, Mahomes has really had to check the ball down and they haven't been able to get a lot of those explosive plays that have made them so successful in the past. I really thought that McCole Hardman was going to take a step forward this I season. I did too. Because, I mean, it's we've been talking about it for a few like years now, mm-hmm. but the lack of a serious threat at wide receiver two on this team is a problem, and it's very evident right now. Yeah. And I think it needs to be addressed going forward because we, the guys that we have have not been progressing in a way that you would hope for. And given that they're in a great system with a great quarterback— They've been put in a position to succeed and have all the tools at their disposal, but they just haven't been able to take that next step. So we've got a pretty decent free agent class of wide receivers here. Yep. I feel like people are going to want to come play for Kansas City, and it's time for our boys to pick up the phone because we need uh, more variety in the receiving core on offense because if if you hone in on one of our top two guys, we don't put up a lot of points. Right. Um. I'll say this real fast before we move on to our last matchup, but it's going to be hard for the Chiefs to sign a big free agent because they have so much money. Our cap situation is a nightmare. Yeah, you have a lot of money tied up in a lot of guys, and um, I think we see a decent overhaul of the roster in in two, three years where some key contributors on the team right now won't be here because they just won't be able to be paid. I dread that day, but I'm going to enjoy this little window while we have it. Tyron Matthews should be the priority to sign, by the way. Absolutely. If any Chiefs executive is out there listening, and I know they're not, <laughs> sign Tyron hey, Matthew. No. I mean, I think he's the second most important player on this team. Yeah, he is. All right. One last game we got to talk about here. Monday Night Football. Patriots at Bills. Patriots win 14-10. to 10. We got some real football weather here, baby. Yes, sir. This Love it. was a lot of fun to watch even though it wasn't that eventful mm-hmm. just because the wind was insane and it was obviously a factor in the play calling nobody was thrown into the wind nope. especially not the patriots mac jones final stat line completed two of three passes for like 19 yards yeah and the, the patriots still won this game against what is undoubtedly a capable bills squad because of this heavy wind and no one can really be surprised that in a game where both teams have to run their offense entirely on the ground and play that, good defense that the Bills couldn't keep up because they don't have a run game. They don't. Not at all. They are the most one-dimensional offense I think in the league right now. Yeah. It's ridiculous. And um I mean the Patriots their defense looks really good. They've allowed 3 points in the second half over their last 5 games. Just crazy. Like that's ridiculous. The defense kept them alive and the offense really just had to continue running halfback dive, halfback dive the entire game, and they were able to win. Yeah, it it was a bold strategy, I guess, to just completely abandon the passing game. But early in the game, there was a punt that went up. Yes. Probably about 15, 20 yards, and you're watching the ball, and then all of a sudden it just, like, disappears. It, it dies. And because it— It's it, like somebody shot it out of the air. Yeah, because it literally shoots— all the way straight into the side. It goes backwards and into the sideline. Yeah. So the wind was a serious factor in this game, and 
the Patriots have one of the best running back committees in the league. They have with, three capable guys. Yeah, so I'm not terribly surprised that they were able to put it together in a matchup where the conditions gave them a bit of an advantage, and the Patriots now sit in the driver's seat for the AFC. Number one seed, 9-4 and four record on a seven-game win streak. That's crazy. Um, I'll be excited to watch their their matchup against the Bills at home on uh, the, the December 26th. Mm-hmm. Um, very curious about the matchup. Hopefully, the weather is better so we can actually see the Bills throw the ball. Yeah. Um, but for now, uh, the Patriots are heading into a, into a bye week, and they should be feeling great. Yes. What what a time to get a bye week. And I, and I hope we do see a more clean matchup against these teams with no strange external factors. Yeah. But You know, you can't ask for much more out of December football than what we got, because that was a lot of fun. For sure. All right, it is time for another break here on the show. When we come back, we'll be kicking off our Week 14 preview and once again checking up on the playoff picture. You're listening to Third and Short here on KCOU. Welcome back to Third and Short here on KCOU 88.1 FM Columbia with Luke Sweezy and Jack Shimanek. It is time to take a look at some of the most notable matchups on the Week 14 game slate. As for teams that are on a bye this week, we've got the Colts, Dolphins, Patriots, and Eagles. Adjust your lineups accordingly, and if you are a fantasy football player like us and you happen to draw the Jonathan Taylor owner on a win and end game, week 14. I'm happy for you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right, let's get started with our primetime games. Up first, an interesting one about some teams we've already talked about today. Uh, Steelers at Vikings. How do you feel? So the Steelers are obviously coming off uh, an abysmal loss to the Lions. and the, and uh, Sorry, the Vikings are coming off an abysmal loss to the Lions, while the Steelers are coming off a great win against their biggest rival. Um, so coming off a short week, I think both of these teams continue in these respective directions. The Vikings have struggled all year on defense, and the Steelers receivers and Najee Harris are looking better than ever. So I think that trend will continue. And then without Dalvin Cook, I think the Vikings lose a lot of their rushing edge. Alexander Madison's a capable backup, but he's no Dalvin Cook. Uh, and I think the Steelers' pass rush can make Kirk uncomfortable, and he'll have to force some some bad throws. I think that's fair. Yeah. But here's my thought. Two teams that cannot stack wins. True. Steelers coming off a win. Vikings coming off of a loss. Let's take the opposites here. That's what I'm thinking. Okay. So I like that. I'm going to roll... With the Vikings, because even without Adam Thielen, I really do like this Vikings attack in the air. Kirk Cousins, once again, quietly having another really good year. And it's a short week. The Steelers' offensive line is not in great shape right now. They're down to their fifth string left guard. Whoa. And the Vikings have the second most sacks on the year. So I think that the D-line will be able to generate sufficient pressure against a quarterback that basically can't move. Okay. So I think in a close one, if they can get to Ben Roethlisberger, I think they'll be able to redeem themselves for the messy loss they had last week. And I feel like coming off a loss to the Lions, what what more motivation do you need to go out and prove that you are still capable? So give me the Vikings here on Thursday night. I'll take the Steelers and we'll, we'll go we'll go at odds against each other on this one. All right. 
Up next, we got a game that we won't be at odds against each other on. No. Sunday night football, Bears at Packers. No surprise what direction we're going here in favor of the dominant Green Bay Packers. But there is a little bit of interesting news we've received during the show that might make this game a bit more tolerable to watch to the eyes of viewers across this country. What do we got, Jack? So Justin Fields has been medically cleared by the Bears training staff and is in line to start against the Packers on Sunday night. We're also getting news that the Packers are getting Jair Alexander back at practice today. We still don't have news about David Bakhtiari and Zadarius Smith. Um, this is exciting for, for Bears fans. They'll see Justin Fields against their their bitter rival, but the Packers are for real, and the Bears have sucked up to this point, so I really don't think there's too much to talk about here. Yeah, I mean, thankfully it's not Andy Dalton. Threw four picks last week, Yeah, two of which were back-to-back to open the game pretty much. Mm-hmm. And Packers team, like you said, they're getting healthy here late while everybody else is struggling with some lingering injuries. Getting Jair Alexander back is a huge addition to that secondary, and I have no reason to not expect the Packers to keep rolling through teams the way they have. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, they had that one weird loss to open the season. In week and one, but that's week they've one. They've pretty much been legit Super Bowl contenders ever since then. For sure. All right. We do get one really nice primetime game here to end the week, thankfully, on Monday Night Football. We got the rematch. We got Rams at Cardinals. Big NFC West rivalry yeah. here. Yeah. Who you, who you got? So I'm rolling with the Rams in this game. Uh, they need a win really badly, and this is the perfect time to remind fans why they were a Super Bowl frontrunner at the beginning of the season since they're playing in prime time. I also think the Rams match up well against the Cardinals. The Cardinals haven't really been tested by a good opponent in a couple weeks, and Kyler and Hopkins really, um, they, they haven't played a good opponent yet since coming back from the injury after beating the Bears last week. So um, I think the Rams are talented enough on defense to slow down the offense, and Jalen Ramsey loves playing against DeAndre Hopkins, and that'll, of course, be a great matchup to watch all night. So I'm actually going to take the Rams on the road, and I think that's a bit of an upset pick. A little bit of an upset. And, you know, I really wanted to take the Cardinals here because the Rams have let me down a bit in recent weeks. They have. But things are getting back on track. They beat the Jaguars as they should have, which finally snapped their three-game losing streak. It was a huge and, win. Yeah. The, the Cardinals, they dominated this matchup the last time they played, but there's just a little something in the air right now that I think is favoring this Rams team to go in and get an upset at a point in the season where they really need to show that they can beat a good team like the Cardinals. Yeah, they need this win. Chance to make a statement in prime time, and the offense was clicking again last week, which is something we were waiting to see. Stafford had some struggles there the last few weeks, um, not, not doing great with ball control, and he looked better. He looks healthier. The backfield is going to be healthy this week. And this should be a Rams performance that we would have seen earlier in this season. I think that they're back to that form, hopefully. And they're in a position to get a big upset here. All right. I love it. All right. Up next, we got Raiders at Chiefs, which, again, this Raiders team is not doing a whole lot to excite me right now. But you never know. I know. It's because weird. this is just a weird AFC West rivalry where sometimes they'll come in and get a big upset here when there's no reason they should even be 
anywhere close. Yeah. So I'm obviously taking the Chiefs here. Me too. But there's, I'm a little weary because there's a history here. Yeah, I'm hoping the Raiders learned from from last game. They ran one high safety pretty much the entire game, and Patrick Mahomes had a career day. So hopefully the defense makes some adjustments there that could slow down the Chiefs' offense. Um, I mean, the only really the only reason I'm giving the Raiders any chance is because they did upset the Chiefs last year when it seemed like they had no business to. But the Chiefs are rolling, and they're at home, and I, I think they'll win pretty comfortably. Uh, it could be closer than some people think, but I wouldn't stress about it too much if you're a Chiefs fan. I, I, I can see this being a really bad Derek Carr game. Like last year against the Falcons level bad. Oh, right, yeah. Because when he has a bad game, he has a bad yeah. game. You're not wrong. You're not and wrong. And this, this defense is hot right now, and I could see us just completely overwhelming this offense, especially if Darren Waller doesn't play. Yeah, I agree. All right, got a few more games we want to go through here. Let's talk about 49ers at Bengals. Two teams currently sitting in wild card spots. Mm-hmm. Match up pretty well with each other. I, I think, think so. Who are you taking here? So I've got the Bengals. Um, I think the Bengals match up better with the 49ers on paper. Uh, Cincinnati has a sneaky good rush defense this year. They're ranked near the top five in terms of, of yards allowed. And uh, I don't really trust the 49ers secondary sh- to shut down Jamar Chase and T. Higgins. Mm-hmm. Uh, the game is also in Cincinnati. Could help the Bengals in terms of home field advantage. Could be a cold, windy day. And that, you know, the California boys from San Francisco aren't really yeah. used to the cold. But it's also weird because the 49ers don't win at home. They're terrible at home. That is true. Which is a little bit strange. Yeah. But do you really want to go into into Cincinnati in December? No, it's not. No, you don't. It's not the best place to play. And yeah. the Niners have traveled well this season. I think you do make a good point. But I don't think they'll have enough firepower with Debo expected to be out again to hang with the Bengals who have been really explosive after not being so last year. Yeah, I think if the Bengals can manage to slow down the 49ers' run game, that they should be able to win this one. Mm-hmm. But you never know. There's that X factor with Burrow yeah, in the finger injury right now. That is true. All right, so both taking the Bengals? Yep. Let's take the Bengals. All right, up next, Ravens at Browns. How are we feeling here? Tough divisional matchup, getting the Ravens at a bad time. Yeah. So, so I think... Um, this seems like the sort of season series that the Ravens and the Browns are going to split. The teams are going to win their home matchups in close, ugly games. Now, in the last matchup, the Browns ran the ball a combined 15 times in their loss two weeks ago, and there's no way that that happens again. I would expect Nick Chubb to have 15 or more carries himself and Kareem Hunt to be very involved in the run and the pass game. I also have no confidence in the Ravens right now to score more than 16 points like they did in their last game against Cleveland. Yeah. And since the Browns are at home, it just feels like a a game that they'll win. It'll probably be another close game, another ugly game. But I I like the Browns' defense right now. They have a lot of speed uh, that'll be be good in containing Lamar Jackson. And the Ravens' offense just hasn't looked good. Hopefully they can get back on track, but I don't trust them to do it against a pretty athletic Browns' defense. I think that's a fair assessment of of the situation. This Browns' team seems to be falling off my radar entirely. They're not that exciting. No. But they've got pieces. They should be way better, but they're not. Yeah, they've just been underwhelming mm-hmm. this season. But I, I do think they can probably win here just because there, there's a lot of problems on this Ravens team right now. Yeah, just injuries and, and inconsistent play from a lot of different positions. Just feels like a game the Browns can win. I agree. And one last game we want to go through here. Bills at Buccaneers. 
two really solid teams. Yep. And they match up. They don't match up that well, though, I don't think, because no. the Bills' rush defense has not been very good against teams that have a quality attack on the ground. And this year, the Buccaneers' offensive identity is the run game. It's, it's Leonard Fournette. Yeah. So I think that this is a situation where the Bucs should be able to go in, beat a good team because they are well-rounded, which the Buffalo Bills offense is not. Mm-hmm. And this could, e- this could easily be a high-scoring game. I think so. And going to be one that I want to take a good look at here. But, you know, Tom had so many years destroying yeah. every every team in the AFC East. And even though he's Florida Tom now, I think he's going to be just fine. He can turn back the clock a little bit. I think both secondaries are banged up, so we'll see big games from both quarterbacks. Uh, mm-hmm. The Bills' rush defense on paper has been good, uh, but in in games where they play teams that can actually run the ball, they've given up like 200 yards to the Patriots and and 100 yard, 180 yards to Jonathan Taylor alone. So I think the Buccaneers will win. I agree with your pick there, uh, but it should be a high-scoring game. Yeah. All right, before we close out this segment, we want to – Give a quick overview on the current playoff picture. Starting in the AFC, your division leaders are the Patriots, Titans, Ravens, and Chiefs. As all, for, with, all with four losses. Yes. So very tight here in the AFC. And then your wild card teams currently are the Chargers, Bengals, and Bills. All at seven and five. Two teams on the outside looking in, Steelers and Colts. And we spent some time last night going through the remaining mm-hmm. games on the schedule for yep. these wild card teams. And I feel comfortable in saying the Bengals are going to drop out and the Colts are going to get in. It just it just feels that way. Colts have been more consistent, in my opinion. The Bengals have some tough divisional games that they could drop a couple. Yeah. And uh, the Colts don't have too tough of a schedule. And pretty, I just... Pretty light schedule. Yeah. Only... only I mean, it's it's seven and five versus seven and six, so yeah. it's not going to be taking a whole lot to steal that spot there. Right. It just feels like the Colts can sneak in. They're they're a better yeah. team moving forward, in my opinion. I agree. And that, so, but nothing has really moved here. No, not really. Between last week and this week. Yeah. As for your NFC teams, a much more top-heavy division. For we, sure. We've got um, the division leaders as the Cardinals, Packers, Buccaneers, and Cowboys. Your wild card spots are claimed by the Rams, Washington football team, and 49ers. Last two teams kind of in the hunt. You've got the Eagles at six and seven, and then a whole bunch of teams at five and seven, including the Vikings. And the Eagles and the football team play each other twice in the next few weeks. That'll be exciting. So the whatever whatever way that series falls is probably going to be what way that final wild card spot goes. Yeah, at this point, gotta gotta lean towards Washington. They're hot right now, and uh, I feel like they can stop uh, the Eagles. The Eagles' offense with Jalen Hurts kind of being banged up. Yeah, so we'll keep an eye on that and keep you updated each and every week on any movement in the playoff picture. But it is time for one last break here on the program. When we get back, we'll be answering a few of your fantasy football questions. You're listening to Third and Short here on KCOU. Welcome back to the final block of Third and Short here on KCOU 88.1 FM Columbia. I'm your host, Luke Sweezy, joined by Jack Shimanek. 
Got a quick final block for you here because, as always, we want to get a little bit of fantasy football discussion in. So if you've got a tough start-sit decision for the week or any fantasy football questions in general, go ahead and tweet us at 3rd and Short KCOU, and we will try to answer your question on the show like we will be doing right now. Up first, Danny asks, what do I do with Ezekiel Elliott and Tony Pollard? Yeah, right now it's tough, but I think you have to start Zeke. You drafted him in the first round as an elite talent. Uh, Even though Pollard has looked great as a runner so far and offers a bit more than Zeke in the passing game, I think it's still Elliott's backfield. I mean, they're paying him all that money. They they want him to be good. Uh, I think he's still in line to get the goal line carries and score the touchdowns for a team that is projected to have a a good offense throughout the remainder of the season. Um, But Pollard is kind of capping his upside overall. So if you see... If you see any news about Pollard taking over the backfield or Ezekiel Elliott being banged up, maybe you could lean Pollard, but I don't. It, it's really hard to start. I don't think you can start both of them. No. And I think you have to go with Zeke if Zeke's playing. It's close, but I think the touchdown upside is higher for Zeke right now. Yeah, for sure. He's definitely just in, in line for more opportunities near the goal line. So in a close situation, I'm going to default there. Have to. And then our last question comes from Carl, who asks, Jarvis Landry or Elijah Moore in PPR? This one's pretty tough, don't you think? Yeah, because Elijah Moore has been a bit more of an exciting player, Mm -hmm. but he performed better with the quarterbacks not named Zach Wilson. Right. And then Jarvis Landry is someone that I look at as just kind of a plug-and-play, not someone that I'm excited about playing, but I can probably get eight points out of in a pinch. Yeah. So I'm kind of on the fence here. How do you feel? So what I'll say is um, just up front, I'll lean Elijah Moore here. I think the Browns are going to run really heavy against the Ravens since they're so beat up um, and do kind of what the uh, the opposite of what they did in their first matchup. I like Moore better because I feel the Jets will probably be down against the Saints, even though I think the Jets could be a sneaky upset pick. I think they'll be down against the Saints, and they'll have to throw more so than the Browns will in sort of a, a comeback victory. More so? Yeah. <laughs> Love that. Uh, and the Saints honestly have been way better against the run uh, than they have against the pass. So I think it'll be hard for the Jets to run the ball and they'll almost have to throw. I agree. Go for the the hot rookie right now. I think I think that's the play. You know, you got to go big or go home when it comes to trying to sneak into the yeah. fantasy playoffs. It's late season. Take some swings. You have to. Start Elijah Moore. Oh, yeah. All right. And I think that is going to do it for us today here on the show. Yeah, thank you guys so much for tuning in to 3rd and Short this afternoon here on KCOU 88.1 FM Columbia. As always, if you would like to keep up with everything going on with the show, you can go over to our Twitter and follow us at 3rd and Short KCOU. And we hope you tune in again this time next week for our last live show of the semester. Best of luck to your teams, both in real life and in fantasy. Take care. We'll see you next week.